From Kindred Church, your inclusive church family. This podcast is a collection of sermons from our weekly worship services in Durham, North Carolina. Whatever your background is, wherever you are on your faith journey, we hope this message helps you take your next steps in response to God's unconditional love. Well, hello and welcome to Kindred Church. It's good to be with you. If we've not met before, my name is Daniel. I'm the pastor here. And if this is your first time to tune in with us, we're especially glad that you have. Um, Our scripture reading for today comes from Acts chapter 15, and we're looking at verses 1 through 11. And it says this, Some people came down from Judea teaching the family of believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom we've received from Moses, you can't be saved. Paul and Barnabas took sides against these Judeans and argued strongly against their position. The church at Antioch appointed Paul, Barnabas, and several others from Antioch to go up to Jerusalem to set this question before the apostles and the elders. The church sent this delegation on their way. They traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, telling stories about the conversion of the Gentiles to everyone. Their reports thrilled the brothers and sisters. When they arrived in Jerusalem, The church, the apostles, and the elders all welcomed them, and they gave a full report of what God had accomplished through their activity. Some believers from among the Pharisees stood up and claimed, The Gentiles must be circumcised. They must be required to keep the law from Moses. Well, the apostles and the elders gathered to consider this matter. After much debate, Peter stood and addressed them. Fellow believers, he said, you know that early on God chose me from among you as the one through whom the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and come to believe. God, who knows people's deepest thoughts and desires, confirmed this by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, but purified their deepest thoughts and desires through faith. So why then are you now challenging God by placing a burden on the shoulders of these disciples that neither we nor our ancestors could bear? On the contrary, we believe that we and they are saved in the same way by the grace of the Lord Jesus. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, today we are continuing our series called Where is God. Uh, Last week we talked about where is God when I'm exhausted. If you missed that, you can go back and and listen to it. Uh, But for today, we're talking about where is God when I'm rejected? Where is God when I'm rejected? Now, I know this topic of rejection is is not a particularly fun one for us to to think about, but it's important because the reality is uh, all of us face different kinds of rejection in our lives, right? Sometimes we face rejection uh, professionally, that we apply for the job that we feel like is the perfect job for us, and we feel like we're qualified, we feel like it should be ours, but then we're told, hey, we're, we're going to go in a different direction, or, or we're doing our best at our job, and we're proud of the work that we're doing, but then we end up getting laid off, or we end up getting let go. So sometimes rejection happens to us romantically, right? Like we, we finally work up the nerve to ask that person out, we, we put ourselves out there, and we're told no. Uh, or we, we feel like things in our relationship are, are going well and moving in the right direction, but, but then we're told, hey, it's, it's not you, it's me. 
Sometimes we face rejection academically. Some of us have memories of this. You know, we're uh, applying to our, our dream school. We, we so badly want to get in, but, but instead of receiving back a, a big packet of welcome orientation materials, we receive that, that small letter with, with a letter of, with a notice of, of rejection. Uh, sometimes we experience rejection athletically. Some of us have memories of, of going out for the team and, and trying so hard to make the team, but, but then we end up getting cut. Sometimes rejection happens to us socially, right? That we get made fun of, we get picked on, we get bullied. All of us have, have experiences with different forms of, of rejection. And that can be so very painful. And that can be one of those experiences in life that leads us to ask this question of, of where is God? And all of that can be very painful in its own right, but I know that many of us have not just faced rejection out there in the world in all those different ways, but but some of us have faced rejection in the church. And I know many of us have loved ones, family members, friends who faced rejection in the church. And and I think that may be more painful even than than a lot of those uh, forms of rejection that we experience out in in the world because... You know, the the church is supposed to represent God. The church is supposed to embody God's love and and to speak for God. And and so if the church is rejecting me, what does that say about God? Is God rejecting me as well? You know, talk about an experience that leads us to wonder, where is God? That can be so extraordinarily painful. Uh, My first job after seminary, I was a pastor of a church um, down in Texas, and not long after I got to this church, I met one of the church leaders there, and his name was Benji. And Benji was amazing. You know, he was super involved in the church, uh, an awesome leader, very loving, very caring. Uh, it was one of those situations where, like, Benji loved everybody in the church, everybody in the church loved Benji. But as I got to know him better, Benji shared with me that he went through a time in his past when he seriously considered walking away from the church forever. And I was really surprised by that because church seemed like such a, an important part of his life and, and even his identity. And, and he shared with me that previously he had been part of this other church. And when he first showed up there, he, he really loved it, felt like he fit in really well. Uh, he ended up getting very involved. He ended up getting involved in the youth ministry of that church. He became an adult volunteer. And as he, as he got more involved with that, you know, the, the youth just loved Benji. Um, the, the parents loved Benji because of, of what a powerful difference he was making in the lives of, of their teenagers. Uh, the other volunteers that worked around Benji, they loved him as well. It was clear to everybody that Benji was using his God-given gifts to make a powerful difference. But then at some point, somebody in the church's leadership found out that Benji was gay. And when they found that out, Apparently, they, they immediately pulled Benji into a meeting that became very confrontational. And they told Benji in no uncertain terms that despite the fact that he loved youth ministry, despite the fact that the youth loved him and the parents loved him and everybody loved him and everybody could see that, that he was using his God-given gifts, despite all of that, the church leadership told Benji he was no longer welcome to serve in the youth ministry. And in fact, they, they told him, you know, you're, you're welcome to keep coming to worship. You're welcome to kind of be a face in the crowd around here. But when it comes to leadership of any kind, when it comes to deeper involvement in this community, that's off limits to you, they told Benji, simply because he was gay. Now, uh, understandably, in the, aftermath of, in the aftermath of that experience, Benji seriously considered walking away from church forever. Fortunately, he didn't. He ended up finding this church where, where I met him that was much more inclusive and, and affirming. But, but I share Benji's story today 
Because I know that for many of you, that's pretty similar to your story, right? And, and a lot of us have family and friends that that's pretty similar to their story. And the reason is because there's a whole lot of churches out there who have this really bad habit of rejecting people who are different, whether that's different in terms of sexual orientation, like it was for Benji, whether that's different in terms of gender identity, different in terms of political ideology, different in terms of race, different in terms of appearance, uh, different in terms of, uh, of culture. So many churches out there have a really bad habit of telling people in all kinds of different ways, hey, if you're different from us, and if you don't become like us, or you can't become like us, then God rejects you and we do too. That can be so painful. And that's really the experience that I want to try to speak to uh, today. I hope that what we talk about today will have application for those other forms of rejection that we face in life. But what I really want us to focus on is where is God when I'm rejected by the church or, or when someone I love is rejected by the church? Because I know many of us, all too many of us, have experienced that before. And as we explore uh, that important question, I want us to spend some time today here in Acts chapter 15, because this story is actually addressing that bad habit that so many churches have of rejecting people who are different, that this story is addressing that question of where is God when I'm rejected. Now, I'll just warn you up front here, we're going to do a little more Bible study than we typically do in a, in a sermon. We're going to go a little bit deeper into some history than we typically do in a sermon, but, but it's going to be worth it. So hang with me. I know you're smart, you're capable, put your thinking cap on. It's going to be worth it because I think this is one of the most important stories in the whole Bible. And yet my sense is that most Christians today don't really know this story very well. And that's sad because I think if more Christians knew this story, that there would be a lot less churches out there rejecting people and there would be a lot less people out there wondering where is God. So, so let's dive deep here. Uh, let, let's jump into it and, and see what we can learn from Acts chapter 15. Uh, here's the situation. Uh, Acts uh, is a book in the, the New Testament. It's A-C-T-S, Acts of the Apostles, not, not A-X. Um, Acts is a book in the, the New Testament. Uh, and, and in this particular passage, we're about 15 years after Jesus's resurrection. And here's kind of what was going on historically at that time. So, so this new thing called Christianity, the, the way of Jesus, it's beginning to spread around the Roman Empire, around the Mediterranean world. It's spreading out from the Middle East where it began into other regions of the world. And at first, primarily, Christianity is spreading among Jewish people and Jewish communities. Now, that may seem counterintuitive to us today, because today we think of Judaism and Christianity as these distinct world religions. Uh, but, but at this point in history, you know, Christianity was, was still emerging from Judaism, right? Like, I mean, Jesus was Jewish. All of Jesus's first followers were, were Jewish. Uh, as Christians, we believe that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Jewish scriptures, what, what we now call the Old Testament. And so when you think about the historical context, it kind of makes sense that, that the message of Jesus would spread initially uh, primarily among Jewish people and, and to Jewish communities. Uh, however, as you probably know, Jesus had made it clear that his message was not just for Jewish people, it was for all people. And Jesus had made very clear that he wanted his followers to go out and make disciples not just of Jewish people, but, but of, of all people. And so here, about 15 years after the, the resurrection, uh, many of Jesus's initial Jewish followers had started to share the message of Jesus with Gentiles. And Gentiles, that's just a catch-all term for everybody who's not ethnically 
Jewish. So that means, you know, I'm a Gentile. Uh, most of you are, are Gentiles, unless you have Jewish ethnicity in, in your uh, lineage, you're, you're a Gentile, right? So, so that's the, the situation. You've got churches popping up in different regions of the world now. Uh, in most cases, these churches were started by Jewish people who had become Christians. But by this point, uh, the message of Jesus was spreading to, to Gentile people. And so Gentiles were starting to come into these churches that had been started by Jewish people. And that meant the church was experiencing this influx of people, these Gentiles, who were very, very different. Because Gentiles were, were different from Jewish people in, in so many different ways. That The Gentiles, in many cases, looked different. They talked different. They ate different food. They had a different culture. They had a different lifestyle. And so a growing tension and a, a looming question here is, how's the church going to handle this influx of all these folks who are different? Is the church going to embrace this? Is the church going to celebrate this diversity? Or is the church going to reject these people because they're different? Well, that brings us to uh, Acts chapter 15 here. At the beginning of this passage, we learn about a church in a city called Antioch. Uh, Antioch is a city in, in modern-day Turkey, and, and like most other churches at this time, this was a church that had been started initially by a group of Jewish people who had become Christians, uh, and, and yet they had started to receive a bunch of Gentile members. And, and at first that was going well because uh, the, the church in Antioch chose to fully embrace the, these new Gentiles coming in. They, they celebrated their diversity. Things were going well. But then watch what happens here in, in verse 1. Watch what happens here. It says, Some people, some people came down from Judea. Uh, we find out later, th these are like traveling preachers who, who've come to, to town. They, they kind of infiltrate the, the church in, in Antioch. Uh, and um, and th we we're told that they're Judeans, which tells us that these are folks from a Jewish background. So they come to the church in Antioch. These guys show up <clears throat> and they start, it says, teaching the family of believers, that is church members there. They say, unless you are circumcised according to the custom we've received from Moses, you can't be saved. Let me say that again. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom we've received from Moses, they say you can't be saved. In other words, they're, they're, what they're doing is they're spreading a message of re rejection. They're, they're trying to reject the Gentiles in the church who are different. And they focus specifically on this practice of, of circumcision. Because at this time in the first century, uh, circumcision was something that, that only Jewish people did, primarily. You know, like today it's a little bit different. All different kinds of people do circumcision, and it's not necessarily for uh, religious reasons or, or anything like that. But, but in the first century, uh, uh, circumcision was a pretty uniquely Jewish thing. It was a big part of their religion, big big part of their culture, one of the key distinctives between Jews and Gentiles. Uh, by the way, if you... Um, aren't sure what circumcision is, uh, ask your parents, ask a friend, do not Google it. Uh, I do not recommend that at all. Uh, but when these, when these traveling preachers show up and they start telling folks in the church, hey, unless you're circumcised, you can't be saved, what, what they're saying in effect is, hey, Gentiles, we don't know what you've been told before, but we're here to tell you that, that unless you start keeping the law of Moses like us, unless you become like us, uh, unless you get circumcised like us, then God rejects you, and so do we. God rejects you, and so do we. That they're spreading this, this message of rejection, just like so many churches today, sadly, still tell people, hey, if you're different, 
you're, you're rejected. And, and as you can imagine, uh, that was causing so much pain and heartbreak within the church in, in Antioch, not just for the Gentiles who were on the receiving end of this rejection, but for their, their fellow Jews who, who loved them and who wanted to fully include them in the life of the church. Now, uh, fortunately, the story doesn't end here. Uh, notice how the church leaders respond to this situation because the church leaders there in Antioch, they recognized how wrong this was. They recognized how hurtful this was and they recognized how unfaithful this was to the way of Jesus. And, and they refused. They refused to turn a blind eye to this message of rejection. Uh, now, it just so happens that one of the pastors of this church in Antioch was a guy named Paul. We now know him as the Apostle Paul. He went on to write about half of the New Testament. Uh, Paul at this time was a pastor of this church in Antioch. And Paul himself, some of you know this, Paul was a, a Jew, but he had this calling from God to, to bring more Gentiles into the church. And what that meant practically was that a lot of the Gentiles at this church in Antioch, these were people that Paul knew. These were people that Paul loved. These were people that Paul befriended. These were people that Paul himself, in many cases, had invited into this church. And so when Paul finds out that these new traveling preachers have showed up telling folks that he loved and cared about that they're rejected, when Paul finds out that they're spreading this message of rejection to people that God loves and cares about, Paul is just outraged. He's livid as he should be. And Paul determines that something needs to be done. Now, now pay attention to what happens here, because oftentimes, sadly today, the words of Paul in other parts of the New Testament are used to justify exclusion. They're used to justify rejection. But that is a complete misuse of, of Paul's words. That's a complete misinterpretation of, of Paul's theology. Because as we're going to see here in this story, and as we see in so many other places, Paul is actually a champion of radical inclusivity. So here's what Paul decides to do in this situation. He, he packs up his stuff, and he marches himself all the way to Jerusalem. He goes from Antioch in modern Turkey to Jerusalem. At this point, uh, Jerusalem was the place where most of the church's top leadership lived. And so Paul goes to Jerusalem, he pulls together all the church's top leaders, he convenes this, this council, basically. And once he's got all of these top leaders in the room together, Paul starts telling them all about how many Gentiles God has been bringing into his church and to so many other churches. And Paul starts to share story after story of how God is working in the hearts of these Gentiles. Paul sh shares story after story of how God is working in the lives of these Gentiles. And not only that, Paul shares stories about how the Gentiles have come and brought their God-given gifts, and now they're contributing and advancing the mission and the ministry of the church. And Paul is excited. And I kind of imagine Paul probably has tears streaming down his face in joy as he's recounting these incredible stories, just like we today still get so excited when we see new people coming in and finding their place and using their God-given gifts as a part of our church community. It's, it's always awesome to see. And so Paul shares that, and then he says to this council of, of church leaders, he says, you know, let, let's just settle this once and for all. Let's issue an official statement that, that says once and for all, Gentiles are to be fully included in the church, even with all of their differences, because they've been fully included by God. Well, when Paul says that, uh, we find out there's some people in the room, just like there's still some people today, who, who want to spread this message of rejection. 
And so they argue with Paul and this debate breaks out and apparently this debate kind of goes on and on for a while. But, but then notice what happens next. Notice what happens next. In, in verse 7 here, uh, this is so fascinating, at least to me. In verse 7 it says, After much debate, Peter stood and addressed them. That is this, this council of leaders. Now remember who Peter is, right? So Peter was one of the very first people to ever follow Jesus. He followed Jesus for Jesus' entire ministry, meaning that Peter was there when Jesus walked on water. Peter was there when Jesus fed the 5,000. Peter was actually in the room for the Last Supper. Peter was there at Easter. Peter not only saw the risen Jesus, multiple times Peter had conversations with the risen Jesus. P Peter ate with the risen Jesus after Easter. And after Easter, Jesus commissioned Peter to be the leader of this new thing called church. So we should pay attention. When, when Peter gets up to speak to this council, there is nobody in this room with more authority because there is nobody in this room who knew Jesus better or who knew the way of Jesus better than, than Peter. So listen to what Peter says in this moment. Now, if you're somebody who's been rejected by a church in your past, please don't miss this. If you're somebody who's had a loved one rejected by the church in the past, please don't miss this. If you're somebody who's wondering why is Kindred Church inclusive and why do we believe that that really is biblical, please don't miss this. Here's what Peter says. Verse 7, after much debate, Peter stood and addressed them, that this council of leaders. He says, fellow believers, you know that early on, God chose me from among you as the one through whom the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and come to believe. Peter's reminding everybody in the room that actually he's the very first disciple to reach out to the Gentiles with the message of Jesus. In fact, the very first Gentile to get baptized was, was baptized by Peter himself. So he's like, hey, I've been part of this Gentile inclusion movement from the beginning, he reminds everybody. Verse 8, he goes on. God, who knows people's deepest thoughts and desires, confirmed this by giving them, that is the Gentiles, by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. But Peter is saying, open your eyes, people. Clearly, God has given the Holy Spirit to these Gentiles. We, we can see that in their hearts, in their, in their lives. It's, it's undeniable. So he goes on, verse 9, God made no distinction. You know, he's pointing at folks in the room saying, hey, some of you are in here trying to draw these really sharp distinctions, trying to put up these barriers, trying to put up these dividing walls between people. But he says, God made no distinction between us, that is Jews, and them, that is Gentiles, but rather God purified their deepest thoughts and desires through faith. And then Peter poses this, this powerful rhetorical question. He says, why then are you now challenging God by placing a burden on the shoulders of these disciples that neither we nor our ancestors could bear. Wow, wow. P -P Peter is saying here, hey, if you reject people because they're different, you are not standing up for God. He's saying if you reject people that God has embraced, what you're doing is you're actually challenging God. You are contradicting God even if you're somebody who is claiming to speak for God. And then in case we, we miss the point, Peter drives it home at the end here. He says, on the contrary, we believe that we, that is Jews, and they, that is Gentiles, those people who are different, those people who are other, we are saved in the same way. How? By the grace of the Lord Jesus. In other words, 
Peter is saying through, through all of this, hey, it's obvious. God has not rejected the Gentiles. God has embraced the Gentiles. God has not rejected people who are different. So if we're going to be faithful to God, then we can't reject people who are different either. We have to follow God's example and embrace them and include them and celebrate them. You can read the rest of, of Acts chapter 15 for, for yourself, but to make a long story short, what ends up happening is this, this group of early church leaders, they do make this official decisive statement that declares once and for all that Gentiles, with all their differences, with all their particularities, Gentiles are to be fully included and fully embraced in the life and the leadership of the church. Now, imagine for a minute... Imagine if every church that you've been a part of in your past had actually followed the example of Peter and Paul. Imagine how, how different Benji's experience of church would have been if the church that he was a part of had followed the example of Peter and, and Paul. Imagine how many less people out there in the world today would be wondering where is God if more churches followed the example of Peter and, and Paul. What we see here is that the early church leaders, these people who literally followed Jesus, these people who knew Jesus better than anyone, they had the chance to set a precedent of rejecting people who are different. But instead, they did the exact opposite. They set a precedent of this expansive embrace because that's the way of Jesus, that this way of expansive embrace, celebrating diversity, including people who are different. That's the way of Jesus. And what I want you to know today is that here at Kindred Church, we are simply trying to follow their lead. Now, we don't always get this right, and I'll be the first to admit we are far from perfect, but what we're trying to do is to follow the example of the early church. We're trying to imitate this way of expansive embrace because we believe just like Peter believed, we believe just like Paul believed, that that's the way of Jesus. And so uh, when you're going through a time of rejection in your life, and I hope you don't experience this, but, but if you go through a time when you're rejected by the church, remember this story and remember the truth that, that even though people may try to reject you, and sometimes people might try to reject you in the name of God, but, but even though people might try to reject you, God will never, ever reject you because the truth is God loves you, God embraces you, and nothing will ever change that. Let me pray for us. Oh, gracious and loving God, merciful God and inclusive God, we thank you for your expansive embrace, God. Uh, we know that if, if we had to do something to, to deserve your love, to, to uh, earn your love, none of us would have it, God, because we all fall short and and we're all so far from perfect, God. Forgive us. One of the ways that we're deeply imperfect is, is that we, we exclude those who are different from us. We, we reject those who are different from us. It, it's, it's sadly part of our, our human nature, and we see that replicated in the church all too often. And that is so extremely painful. God, I, I pray especially today for anybody who's been on the receiving end of rejection in, in a church. Um, God, we know how hurtful that is emotionally, but, but spiritually as well. And so uh, we, we pray for restoration there and we pray for healing there. Uh, God, we ask your blessing on us at Kindred Church as, as we seek to be the kind of community 
that follows your example of expansive embraces. We seek to be the kind of community that's not threatened by differences, that's not worried by diversity, but that, that celebrates differences, that embraces d- diversity, God, uh, because that's what you do. We see that so clearly across Scripture. We see that especially here in this beautiful story in Acts chapter 15. Thank you for these courageous early church leaders. Thank you for the precedent they set. Thank you for calling us to be part of the movement that they started. God, help us to rise to the challenge. Help us to answer the call. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Well, friends, remember, uh, just a couple of of quick uh, announcements and and reminders for you. Uh, If you're new to Kindred Church, I would love to connect with you. Um, And the best way to do that is if you'll click the connect link in the description that you see here. Uh, Fill out the short form. I'll I'll love to reach out to you and connect with you sometime later this week. Also, if you're local, we would love to see you in in in-person worship. Uh, Look in the description and uh, go to our website. It's kindrednc.church. We've got a link for you there. Um, And you can find all the information on our website page about how to join us for in-person worship. And then finally, click the announcements link as well that you see in the description. That'll keep you up to speed on the the latest ways that we've got for you to get involved with our community and to keep growing in your faith with us at Kindred Church. Well, with that, friends, remember that we love you. We hope you have a great week and may the peace of Christ be with you. Thanks for tuning in. If this message was meaningful to you, consider sharing it with a friend who might also find it meaningful. To support this ministry, To get involved with Kindred Church or to learn more about us, check out our website, kindrednc.church. We hope you have a great week.